0: I got through it you know um so yeah just a kind of like a little rundown on what happened um I've been suffering well for like the past few years uh I had like heartburn issues and everything and um so Sunday when we were going to the hospital I was feeling it and I was just kind of like okay you know I'll be good in a couple days you know and then um yeah we were going to the, we were going to the airport, and I was like, I thought it was nerves and and I was like, okay, like you know I'll be good in, in a few days, like this heartburn's just gonna go through taking medicine and, and then um the whole thing with the flights getting canceled, all that happened, so I went home that night <clears throat> and I was still taking medicine and then um yeah, I was just, I was, I was feeling like weak sometimes, and, and and then I was like, oh, I'm probably, it's still probably nerves, you know? So Monday, we, we take our, our, we meet up, and we go on our flight, and everyone's asking me, like, are you okay? How do you feel? And I'm like, I'm good, you know? Like, uh, I'm still a little nervous, whatever, you know? Um. So yeah, Wednesday night, um, probably like around, I think it was like 3, I I, I don't don't remember what time it was, but 3, I go to the restroom, yeah, like 3 a.m., I'm sorry, (laughs) 3 a.m., I go to the restroom, and um, I just get dizzy, my body goes weak, and I just, I collapsed, you know? I thought I went all gracefully and everything, but (laughs) they told me later on that, you know, I hit pretty hard and everyone heard, you know? And um, yeah, so I'm sitting there and I'm just thinking like, how am I going to cover this up, you know? Like (laughs) I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to get up, clean up and and everything will be good, you know? But yeah, I I just kind of like sit back, uh, my back's against the tub and the wall. And then I'm also thinking like, oh man, my mom's gonna get mad. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what is she gonna say? The family's gonna get worried. And then, um, and then I was like, oh, the guys are gonna see me like this. You know, I'm like, I have like vomit and blood all over and everything. And then I just I, I start praying and I get this sense of peace. You know, I, I get a, some peace. And then they come to the the restroom door. They knock on the door, and they're like, Angel, are you okay? And at that moment, I was just like, I I need to give up, you know? Like, I I just need to to give everything to God, you know? So I told I was like, no, I'm not, you know? Like, get one of the leaders. The leader came up. He was able to open up the door. They walked in um uh we have a nurse that was that's in our team she came up and she checked my my blood sugar it was at like 400 or something like that i was very dehydrated so they were trying to like get me hydrated with uh i I don't know what kind of drink it was good but I i don't remember what it was but finally you know they 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 take me down um, well, they had to, like, hose me off in the, in the bathtub. They take me down, and then, um, yeah, they take me to the hospital. And I'm in the emergency room, and I'm just, you know, I'm praying to myself. And, yeah, from that from that moment forward, like, I was just, I felt I was in good care, you know? I, I from the beginning of D school, I had told the team, like, I want to get to the point where when I'm going through something, I don't have to worry about it because I know God has my back, you know? And at that moment, I was, I felt that way, you know? I'm, I'm sitting in the hospital bed and um, yeah, I just felt peace, you know? I felt, I felt like I was in good hands. And then I remembered what Coach Lucy said um, back on one of her testimonies when she had her back surgery. And how she just gave it up, you know? She gave it up, and and everything turned out good, and and that's exactly what I did, you know. And and um, you know, it turns out the team was praying for me back at the mission house, and uh, yeah, for five days that I was in there, I was just—they were coming in, they had to keep poking my finger to check my blood sugar. They were taking blood out. Um, I had two blood transfusions. Um, and there was, there was just, it was just a bunch of, like, it was like a roller coaster ride, you know? Like, from the beginning of the trip, like, from us leaving Sam's house till we got, I mean, till the end, you know? It was just, like, up and down, up and down. And, um, finally, when I got out the hospital, you know, I'm walking up the stairs and trying to surprise everyone, and... It was like the best feeling. I'm walking in, everyone's clapping for me, cheering for me, you know, and and it just felt it felt amazing, you know, that I had this family that I've known barely, like I've only known for what, like five, six months, and you know, they're they're on my side, you know, cheering for me. And then, um, so that next day. I was so, eager. I, I was like, the whole time I was in the hospital, I was like, I want to get out, like, I, I need to get out, you know, I want to go back out there with my team and everything, you know, and so that next day, I went out for outreach with uh, Charlie and, and uh, one of the other guys, and then we had one of our translators, and yeah, just the people we had talked to, it was, it was awesome, you know, one of, the, some lady that we had prayed for was kind of going through the same thing as I was going through. And, um, but, you know, she didn't have any medical insurance, so she had to just, like, tough it out, you know. And, um, you know, I was just, like, I had told the team, I was like, I'm kind of glad the way everything went went down, you know, with with the whole roller coaster ride. Because if we would have went in and everything would have went smooth and, you know, this whole trip would have been smooth, then we wouldn't have learned anything you know, and, and a lot of the, a lot, like the, I feel the main part of this trip was just prayer, you know, and just really trusting in God, and, and tapping into that, that trust, you know, um, yeah, and, and the best part is that, you know, everyone's always asking me if I'm like part Asian, but Now I actually am, you know, I got, I got two, I got a a pint of Japanese blood in me, you know, (laughs) but yeah, that's my testimony. Thank you
1: guys. (laughs) Oh yeah, he's literally my blood brother now. No, it's crazy because it just shows you just the love of the church. Right, because usually it's family when when things go down like that. They no, uh, no one could see that kind of stuff except for family. But really, just the way our team stepped in, and really, what was really amazing was actually the Dominican uh, church there. They didn't even know Angel, and they offered a uh, blood. <laughs> they offered uh, their blood. It wasn't a it wasn't a perfect match, but they offered their blood, and to someone they didn't even know. And that is the church. That is what the church is, and it was awesome to see because. Uh, just, just God's working in Angel, uh, we all saw that in the team, and it really encouraged us, okay, God is with us, right? Satan's gonna try to knock us around, but like, no, right? He's still deeply rooted, and uh, yeah, so good, so good. All right, so now I would like to call up our sister, Mariana, she's holding it down in the DR. She brought out her teacher voice to kind of quiet the children. It's powerful.
2: Um, before I begin, I don't. Angel didn't mention this, but the last night um, we were celebrating a birthday party, and like Angel was just dancing the night away. Like he didn't need any energy drinks. So you know, Angel just just remember that. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I. This um, mission trip started at a, just a weird time in my life where I finished teaching for the time being, and um, like fri- that Friday before we left was my last day of teaching, right? And six years of teaching, and it was done. Um, and then I guess we Saturday happened, and it did, we didn't end up going, and then Sunday. So I didn't have time to really process and think like, "Wow, like I'm not a teacher anymore, at least in my career.". Um, And then, um, the whole thing with Angel happened, and, like, I I saw everything. I was there when they took him, like, I saw them take him to the hospital, and it was just, like, okay, what's going on here? (laughs) Why, like, God, like, why are we here? Like, what's going on? And just, like, things after things just keep happening, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm going through a lot. Um, and then we go do outreach, and I just, the Lord really softened my heart for the kids, um. And he reminded me that, like, you know, the what part of the reasons why I wanted to become a teacher, right? Um, because I wanted to love on kids, and I wanted to give them an opportunity to show that, you know, they're important. And he really redeemed that in me of, like, those six years of teaching was not a waste. It was a training and preparation for, for that, you know, um, mission that... Um, to, that we ha- just had, and then also in the future um, with everyone's children here, anywhere else. Um, and then i um, also loving the kids that are in um, our group, right? The like Katanis and then the Rites. You guys are still kids, You're babies. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and then he also showed me just like how much I really love just those one on one conversations with people and just how healing that can be and just those interpersonal, like, relationships. And since I was able to speak Spanish, I was able to connect a lot with um, the community and the people there in um, the Dominican Republic. Um, and so, uh, you know, like, to the point where um, some of the um, kids were just, like, so sad <laughs> that we were all leaving. I mean, it wasn't just me. It was all the all of us, right? Um, but, yeah, he, he really redeemed that teacher training, and then also just showed me more of, like, I do really well with that one-on-one connection, and just press into that more. Um, so, yeah.
1: Thank you, Mariana. Oh, bless you. All right. We also had uh, Pastor Chris and the whole Rite clan uh, went with us to the DR as well, so they experienced that adventure as well. So, I'm going to have... W- one representative from the Rote family. All right, Maggie. All
3: right. So um, for me, this trip was really powerful. Uh, you know, I've been following Jesus for about 25 years, and in that time, just you know, gained a lot of tools on praying, worshiping. You know, being incarnation. I mean, you name, you name all the things, and I've learned them all. Um, but the the most impactful thing for me was that God just brought me back to the simple truth of listening and obeying so um, one outreach opportunity uh, pastor stanley from the dr he was just sharing with us like hey a lot of these people are nominal christians and because everybody's so welcoming everybody's like yes yes we want prayer we want we believe in god and all of these things but he was just saying there's nobody really living a life of following christ like in in the way that we all do and I just took that and I really heard it. And then the next interaction we had, I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna go for it. And I was like, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? And I've never done that, okay? Even in these 25 years of following Jesus, that is not how I talk to people about Jesus because I don't want it to be awkward. And I you know, I wanna build relationships and build trust. And so, but I was just like, that's just in faith. I'm never gonna see these people again. <laughs> Uh, you know they don't know me from anybody and so i just went for it and i i led two women to jesus and i and i um, and i was just mentioning like I, I i've never done that before and what was even more powerful is like you know I I've, I've been reading my bible every year and i was able to just share the stories that i've been reading not perfectly i left out a lot of details But I got the gist of most of those stories and was able to speak to these women. And I think um, just as a reminder, you know, we are like nothing. We are so weak. I jumbled my words. I was looking to my teammates like, oh, what do I do? What do I say? But it's like, it's not me. It's not me at all. And just to know that, yeah, Jesus is the one who empowers us if we just simply listen and obey his words. So that's my testimony. And I just want to say huge prayer answered was... um, you know, I really wanted to see God move powerfully in my children, and God was incredible and just spoke to them so clearly. And you need to ask them what their testimony is because it is so powerful. And God moved, moved them in ways for, with all their lives that I just I just can testify is just remarkable. So.
1: Yeah, especially uh, just seeing, uh, God was giving visions to Sammy and her dreams and stuff, so you you should definitely talk to them and ask them, even the children. Um, Next up, I'd like to invite our brother Charlie. Charlie. Brother Charlie. So just to give you some context, the ministry that we worked with ICM, Iglesia uh, Comunidad Multicultural, it is a unique work between the Dominicans there and Haitian immigrants. And there's a lot of bad blood kind of between these two groups, but this uh, church really ministers together with Dominicans and Haitians. And we did a lot of outreach in uh, mixed kind of communities. So
4: cool. Thanks, Dave. Uh, yeah. So similar to Maggie. So like most of my experience, uh, doing ministry for the last, I guess, nine years I've been working for Young Life. It's very, it's been very, like, incarnational, and, like, let's get to know the person, and over time, we'll, we'll share Jesus with them, um, so no going to the DR, is definitely, like, this is not going to be gradual, we'll have two weeks, and, um, on top of that, um, I'm an introvert, which you guys might not know, unlike my wife, who can talk to anyone, anywhere, anytime, and, um, so yeah, prior going to the DR, like whether it's like at the grocery store, I'm very like singular focused. I'm like, I don't care what's around me, I'm just gonna like do what I gotta do, or am I the, the gym working out? And the last, um, well, I guess since D school started, I really felt like God was challenging me to step into um, like Maggie said, like listening to God you know, and obeying and just like being able to go talk to people and pray for them and share God's word with them. And so the last few months before we left, I definitely felt like like, God was, like, pushing me that way. And I'd say nine out of ten times, I, I, I kept finding excuses not to do it. So it was like, shoot, God was like, all right, go talk to that person. Go pray for that person. I'm like, oh, they look like they're busy. I'm like, go, go talk to them. Or, like, go talk to that person. And I'm like, oh, I, I got to be somewhere in five minutes. So I think I just kept finding these excuses and feeling really discouraged. So going to the DR, I was like, this is going to be great um, if you've ever been on a mission trip there. You know, it's like a crash course in street evangelism. They're just like, all right, go out there knock in these houses, and go tell them about Jesus, and pray for them, and uh, so I was like, sweet, this is my opportunity to really step into this, and, and really take ownership of this, and for the first few days, I just, all those fears, and all those excuses that I had for, like, the last couple of months kept coming up again, where it was like, you know what, like, I don't, what if I say the wrong thing, or what if they reject me, or fill in the blank, so it was just a couple of days of, like, stepping towards the back of the group, and not feeling like I was stepping into, I felt like God was telling me to do, and one one morning in particular god convicted me and reminded me of um there's a passage in philippians 2 where it talks about how like, jesus um prior to coming into this world he had all this it's a divine privilege all this kind of like all this comfort all this security like, everything was good but he chose to forego that to step into this world and and because he loves us wants us to be with him and it chose to be uncomfortable and to suffer and be rejected and i just felt like god was telling me that moment like like, as you obey me, as you follow me, it's going to be uncomfortable, and you need to be willing to be misunderstood, or be rejected, and also that my love can flow through you, and I just felt like he was saying, um, I felt like he was saying, like, from this point on, we kind of made this, like, agreement, which I don't know if you guys ever tell, God, but I was like, anytime an opportunity to be uncomfortable for my sake to share my love, just, just say yes, and he was like, you know what, I'm going to start something small, so, like, just in the small things, like, when you feel me nudging you, and not so now that's always like a large, loud voice. Usually it's small enough where I can, like, discard it. But I felt like God. Said, anytime I nudge you, like, I want you to just do it, no matter how uncomfortable you are. And so I was like, all right. So that, that day, I kind of in the back of my mind like, whenever that nudge comes, I, I got to like say yes. So we were playing um, frisbee at the. There's like a baseball field in the, in the village where we're at, and um, and as we were playing frisbee, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this man like peek out of his window house, and then, like, went back, and I, so, like, I caught my attention, but then I kept playing frisbee, and then the kids were done playing frisbee, and we're like, all right, let's go play baseball, so as we we're going to play baseball, I saw him sitting, like, super far over here, like, under a tree uh, in the distance, and I, as I was walking this way, I felt like that, that nudge come, where the guy was like, go, go talk to that person, and naturally, all my excuses came up again, so I was like, you know what, like, like, in the Dominican Republic, um, and he was Haitian, so I could tell he's Haitian, and a lot of them speak cruel I was like, you know what, I don't, I speak Spanish, but I doubt he speaks Spanish, and I, um, and he, the way he was carrying himself at that moment, I was like, he doesn't seem like he wants to talk, and so I had all these reasons coming up, I felt like God, I was like, you know what, I promised to God I'm going to go talk to him, so I awkwardly, like, walked towards him, and he sees, like, who's this tall white guy, like, walking towards him, it wasn't even, like, I was, like, casually, it was, like, there was no way to casually walk towards him, I was just, like, walking towards him, and, um, and so, like, all right, I'm going for it. So I, I like, good afternoon. I said, in Spanish and then He reciprocated, and and then I was like, "Hey, can I come sit next to you?" So like, uh, "Sure." So I started talking to him, and it turns out that he he does believe in Jesus, and he but he was talking about how he's just like constantly kept feeling tempted by the devil to do these things, and so I got to just like hear a story, and we talked for like 20 minutes, and as he was sharing his uh, story, I got to encourage him and pray for him, and and at the end though, he said, uh, he's like, you know what, like. He's like, I saw you. I saw it when you were playing Frisbee over there. And I, I told God. I asked God if you could if He could if you could send you to me to come talk to me. He's like, but I was I was scared. So he's like, like, so I was actually hiding over there. Um He's like, but I believe God sent you today to, to encourage me. Um there's nothing I did. Like I was I was so nervous, I was so fearful, and I but because I said yes, I got to experience God love him through me. And it was just like this pivotal moment, in the trip where um I realized that. To obey God means to be uncomfortable. Like, you can't obey God and remain comfortable. It takes, like, overcoming your fears and doing it regardless of how you feel. And he could have rejected me. And what I learned is, like, it's not the outcome of, of what, what matters. It's just being obedient. And I realized that, like, as we say yes to those little things. So, really, I don't feel like it was a big thing. All I did was just awkwardly walk towards him and, and talk to him. But, like, after that moment, there was so many more moments that were bigger that God got stepped into because I didn't let my comfort control me. And so, yeah, I guess I want to encourage all you guys that, like, don't let your fear of being uncomfortable, your fear of being rejected, prevent you from obeying God. Because I'm learning every time we obey God, He expands our ability to not just hear Him, but to experience His love move through us. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited to now carry it back and not be controlled by discomfort. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Charlie. I mean, God has given this brother some prophetic gifts. Like, he brings it up shyly, but I'm like, oh, there's so many words that God gives to him to really meet people. And we just experienced God speaking to us in so many different ways. Even the children uh, giving us, like, images. And those are powerful. Uh, They ended up being very powerfully guiding us uh, on the mission and uh, every day's outreach. So I want to invite... my wife. This is the first year that my whole family was able to come. So it's my wife,
0: G. They
5: they know better than to let me have this mic. <laughs> but um, I think the big lesson for me was, um, like, like just bring whatever you got. It not matter what it is that God can make a feast out of it. Cause uh, like I'm super judgmental. Like you know, Dave's nice. He loves people, cares about people, but, like, I'm back there, like, judging people and being like, mm, I don't know about that, you know, uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's why I married Dave so that I could learn to love people, um, and, like, I always make fun of people who, like, don't bring good stuff to a potluck, but I was that person on the mission trip. Like, I, like, brought so little, like, spirituality and, like, love for people and, like, Like, I was the person bringing napkins (laughs) to, like, uh, follow. (laughs) And, like, there was one day when we were going on an outreach in this community called Los Riales, and, like, everybody was so tired. (laughs) Like, we're all sweaty and, like, bitten up by bugs. We're, like, we hadn't eaten lunch and, like, for, like, hours, and then we finally ate lunch, and we're so tired and hot, and we're, like, Let's just try to coast on this outreach, like somos misionarios de los Estados Unidos, uh, visitando Iglesia cerca de aquí. Like I was just like, let's coast, guys. Like let's just like, all right. And, like, everybody was so tired on my little, like, squad. Like, it's like somebody, I brought napkins. Somebody else bought, like, a stick of gum. Like, like we did not have a feast, right? <laughs> and then, like, we're, like, okay, let's, we're, like, praying, like, God, just help us survive <laughs> this uh, outreach. And so we start going and, like, but, you know, like Maggie said, we were just really trying to listen to God. We're like, oh, since we've got nothing, I guess we should just listen to God. And so every time we went up to somebody, we just like, we're like, could we just like listen to God for you? And we were just quiet, awkwardly quiet for a super long time. But every house we went to, God gave us, like, a hardcore word. Like, the first house, it was Prodigal Son. The second house was Road to Emmaus. And three people, like, instantly got saved. Like, this two old guys and, like, this other neighbor guy. And they were like, yeah, we want to know more about Jesus. Yeah, we want to, like, open our hearts to Jesus. We're like, what? We're like, we're not ready for this. We brought gum. (laughs) Okay, okay, God. And like the third house, it was the vine and the branches. And this lady was like, Wow, like you really like saw me. And then the fourth house, it was like this, these like ladies, they were like starting to smoke cigars. And then like we peeked over like, Hi, we're here. And then they're like, Oh, shoot, put it out, put it out. (laughs) And we're like, Oh, do you want us to pray for you? But we don't have to, we don't have to. And they're like, Yeah, just come in, right? And then we started praying for them, and like you know it was like two chinitos and like you know shannon she's a black girl and like this you know our, our translator we all just look like nobodies, you know but like we were praying for this lady who had diabetes and her vision was going and she needed a job and we we're just praying for her and like all of us were like crying for her you know and um she was just so moved that she just started calling people out to be like, come here. These people got to pray for you. She she called out her son named Jesus. We are praying for his kidney. And we're like, we're, and then she's like, hey, you, you come over here. Like the lady who was like smoking cigars, she's like, come over here. You need to get prayed for. Parasites. I love praying for parasites. And I told her that. And then like this other person, she's like, come over here. She's like literally like knocking on the door being like, you need to come outside right now and let these people pray for you, you know. And I was just praying and like, I was like, dude, we had brought napkins and gum to this potluck and God just made it like stories from the Bible day. Like we felt like, oh my God, these are like all like stories that you would read in the Bible. So I just felt like, man, when you feel like you could only bring a stick of gum to the potluck, come and God will meet you there.
1: See why I married her, you know? I'll put you to sleep, but she'll wake you up, you know. It's good, man. She's good. It's bringing that energy, I love it. It's God's, God's, God's gift. Shot of espresso for me. Yeah. Um, uh, at this time, I-, I would like to bring up the extraordinary uh, Sam. She's bringing it. Uh, we did like a. We had like put together like a children's program in like twenty-four hours and she was just like BAM just directing us. So, Sister Sam. Thanks,
6: Dave. Okay. So Dave had us do an exercise where we were supposed to like write down our testimony and I wrote like three different things, but I just don't feel like those were I've been asking God, like, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to share? And I think, when I think about the entire missions trip, what it reminded me of is how intentional God is with our life experiences. Uh, Like, the skit was one of them. I was making, like, these, like, armor. It was the story of uh, Goliath and David, which, if you don't know this, Goliath is pronounced very differently in Spanish. It's very hard (laughs) to pronounce it. But... um, there there was like construction paper. We had very minimal supplies. Like we were not in like the Ritz Carlton with like a, like AC Moore or like a Michaels. It was like, you need string, we'll get you like neon orange string because that's all we've got. It was like very basic. And um, I was just thinking as I was like journaling this morning about how my mom in Peru used to make these crafts with very little things. And I remember when I was putting it together, I was like thinking of my mom and thinking about God and how intentional he was to pass down that trait that I could put stuff together. And everyone's like, it looks so good. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're so good. And then I was thinking about when I was, um, there was a, a lot of our conversations were around the issues with, uh, Haitian citizens who had moved over to the DR and were undocumented. So a lot of them didn't have, uh, couldn't get a visa, they couldn't get a job. They were pretty much, it's like, worse than not having a social security number. And I know that because I'm also an immigrant and I was undocumented from 5 to 18. And I was also thinking like, man, Lord, I'm able to relate to their struggle. And I would say probably just half of their struggle because I had a roof over my head and had the ability to get water and and food. And a lot of them don't even have that. But again, here's God again giving me that ability to empathize with them because of what I lived through. And I just kept seeing that over and over again, and this morning when I was journaling, I was just thanking Jesus for how intentional he is, because I haven't always been a worship leader. I haven't always been living like a really, um, what, what some people would say, like a good life, like where you're trying to actively follow Jesus, and he was still, even in the times when I didn't believe, so faithful to keep bringing me through things in my life because he knew that he would use them for his glory anyway. So I just want to encourage everyone here, like whatever you think, even the crazy things where you're like, where will I ever use this? He's already ordained a time and a space for you to use that particular thing. And it doesn't matter if you're walking strong in your faith now, or if you're like a, like half walking there, he's going to continue pulling you to that place. Um, and I do want to close with one story that's kind of creepy and cool, but also because there's so many good stories. And I do want to say something to you guys, because I, I think, Dave, you were the one who mentioned this. That, sorry, I'm, I'm about to put you on blast. But he said, there, you're going to get back home, and there's going to be some people who ask you, how was the missions trip? And it's just going to be a thing like a formality, like when you ask someone, how are you doing, but really you don't care how they're doing, you're just like, oh, what are we going to talk about? The weather? How are you doing? Well, I just want to encourage all of you, when you talk to any one of us who have gone on the trip, and you, like, actually ask, how was the trip for you, like, ask that question thinking, I actually want to hear something, and maybe, like, take something that's, that they're sharing for me, instead of just, like, a how are you doing thing. Anyway, so one of the days in Los Ries, or, um, Sacara, it was in Sacara. we, it's a, pri- like, primarily Haitian neighborhood, and... I was walking through, I was in a group with Sammy, who was, I don't know where she went, but I was with Sammy, and I was with a, um, one of our translators who spoke Spanish and Creole, Haitian Creole, um, and myself, so, and another girl from our other church. So we're walking through, and we're trying to, like, figure out where God wants us to go, and all of a sudden, I heard this music. So I hear this music, and then I I walk to our translator, and I'm like, hey, is that voodoo music? And he's like, Yes. It is. How do you know? And I have no idea how I knew it was voodoo music because it's not on my Spotify playlist. But <laughs> we we walk over and no lie, it was on for maybe 30 seconds long enough for us to hear it on the street and then walk through like this little path in between houses. And as we're walking through, the music changes to like mid-anger or something completely different. And we see this, I see this girl, we all saw her out of the corner of our eyes, who just, she was behind like this, um, her door was like a curtain, and she was like peeking out, and completely closed the curtain, so we're like, okay, she definitely does not want prayer, so we like walk past her house, it was a little alley, and her house was on the left, and there was nowhere else to go past that alley, so we're like, I'm like, okay, we have to go back, we have to talk to her, so we go back, and she like peeks her head through, so I tell the, um, the Haitian translator, I'm like, hey, can you just ask her how she's doing? So it was, I kid you not, it was so awkward. She was like peeking through the thing. You could tell she had stuff to do. She did not wanna talk to us. But I remembered <laughs> that even when it's awkward or like Charlie said, uncomfortable, you still have to like push through. So I was in my mind, I had made up my mind that no matter how uncomfortable it was, I was gonna keep asking her questions. So we're asking her questions. I'm looking at my team like, what else can we ask her? So finally, she starts like opening up and she, she opens the curtain and then she's standing on the door frame. So we, we asked her enough questions where she finally sat down on the chair that she was originally sitting in when I heard the voodoo music. And um, I had thought that because she practices voodoo, she would want no prayer but she, our translator asked her if she wanted to be prayed for and she said yes. So she sits down on this chair and she's like covering her face uh, with her hand and we practiced the same thing G was doing, which is what Dave and Chris and everyone taught us, which is just listen to God, see what he has to say. And uh, he gave us the word that she had been, there were dreams that she wanted to follow and one of them was beauty school. And so I'm like, okay, ask her if this is true, and that God wants this for her, and she was like, like shook her head, yes, it is, and then the next one was another thing about her watching YouTube videos about beauty school, and we asked her again, and it was true, so she let us pray for her. It wasn't, it didn't have an ending where she was like, I want to worship Jesus, take me now to church, but I just felt like God's presence was there, and that he really, like, the timing of when the music played, the fact that we ended up going, that we asked her enough questions and she sat on the chair, that then we were able to pray over her. It was just a Jesus moment, and I have no idea what will happen to her if she will one day ask more questions, but I do believe we had a little part in like watering a little seed, a little tiny seed, and so um, yeah, I'm super encouraged. It was an unbelievable trip. I think we all have like a like, tons of testimonies, even sit with Angel and ask him to tell you his story again, because he gave you the PG version. (laughs) There's definitely much more (laughs) to that story that he didn't share, but um, that's it. Just happy to be back.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know, as you're hearing these stories, I don't know how you're taking them. Uh, Maybe a part of it is like, hey, that sounds awesome. I want to step into something like that, right? And we have a D school, a discipleship school, to train us into those sort of things. But some of you might be thinking, that's nice for you, but what does that have to do with me? Uh, and I was just so excited that I just skipped the scripture passage, but it fits very nicely with uh, what my sister, my, uh, Sam, uh, was sharing. Something that maybe we can all relate to is coming up against a situation where it's like, there is no way this, what, what is the way out of this, right? And in multiple stories you saw, there was awkwardness, there was hard things, weird, creepy things, right? Um, We've all had that experience of coming up against something where we don't see any way. And how are we going to respond to that? How do we look to God in that? Uh, And this scripture taken from Joshua chapter 4 I'll read it for us, Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. This is after Moses had led, if you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you know, uh, it's kind of an interesting version, but if you follow the story of Moses, Moses uh, was called by God to lead his people uh, that were stuck in slavery into freedom and into a place that is a promised land. But there was, it was not an easy road. Uh, There was a lot of wandering in the wilderness, a lot of hard things, right? So they were freed from slavery, but wait, why all these hard things? And then they come right up to the edge of the promised land, and uh, Moses dies. But he had left behind a disciple, Joshua. And Joshua is now to lead all these people. He's like, what am I supposed to do, right? And they come up to the river Jordan, It was kind of like, okay, how are we supposed to cross this with the, I have all these people, this huge river in the promised land right there. How do we cross that? And just like his mentor, God used him and the waters opened up and they walked across dry land to the promised land. And this is what Jesus tells them. In verse 4, starting from verse 1, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So after you've experienced this miracle of God making a way for you, God's saying, hey, I want you to do something. Pick up these stones. Okay, what are we going to do with these stones? So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So these are stones from the middle of this river that had opened up. He said, Take those with you. To serve as a sign among you in the future. Put them all up, right, on the other side, and it's going to be a sign to you. Serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you that the, uh, what do these stones mean? It says in verse 7, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Why do I share that strange story? It's because when God shows you a miracle, when he shows up for you, when he makes a way when you thought there was no way, I know each of you have some sort of story like this. Remember, do not forget them. This is why we testify of them. And remember what that story is for you. Write it down, remember it, because you need to remember those, because that will not be the only river you will ever have to cross. That will not be the last time where you will be put into a situation where you thought God was calling you, but where's the way, God? You won't know until you're there. That's when you call upon these and say, God, I know you're real. I know you've come through. I heard these stories, I remember. I heard these stories of this, this mission team that went through and faced some crazy stuff, but you came through for them. You're the same God. God make a way. Does that make sense? So that's the challenge kind of for us today. As we hear these stories, we praise God, but we remember he's given us ammunition. He's given us bullets for the battles ahead of us. Does that make sense? All right. So let me pray for us. I'd like to call up the worship team. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. You are so good. You are so faithful. It's hard to see that sometimes, especially when uh, there are some major obstacles in our way. Uh, There are hospital trips. There are canceled plans where we thought, hey, wait, God, weren't you calling us? But God, you're there the whole time. Help us, Father God, not to back down uh, out of fear, out of worry. Help us to trust you, turn to you, whether a big thing or a small thing, Father God. Help us to recall all the ways that you have been faithful to us and help us to remember you are the same God. Here, now, you will make a way for us. Lord God, for anyone who is facing obstacles right now, Lord God, we pray that you would help us to trust you to make a way where there seems to be no way. Jesus, help us to recall, come to mind all the ways you've come through for us. You've shown your faithfulness and your love. Help us to carry that with us into the different battles and challenges before us now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, you're with us. You promise to never leave us or forsake us. Jesus' name, amen. So I invite you to, to stand and just respond to the Lord, talk to Him, whether it's a big thing, whether it's a small thing, to stand, to worship, to recognize God.